Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks around the world, after four long months, welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 49 slash 49 and a half because, as suggested, we have been gone for quite a while. We uh, had some plans for where this podcast was going to go over the summer, and those unfortunately fell flat a little bit, but... It is that time of year again. The trade deadline has come and gone in baseball, so we're going to spend a whole portion of our episode, a whole half of the episode, talking about that. And then the other half is going to be a preview of the 2022-2023 Premier League season. And by the time you're hearing this, there will be approximately, and by approximately, I mean exactly, exactly one sleep until the start of the Premier League season. Willie, before we get to that, though, how mm-hmm. are we doing? It's been four months. We've missed a lot, yeah. but that does not mean we can start with some good stuff. First and foremost, though, how are you? I'm great. Uh, great to be back. Um, well, I will promise to everyone who will will do these regularly going forward. But my my actually my one thought, I because it's Ford podcast, I did want to say is um, it's coming home. I did want to say that. And by the way, to everyone out there, the song is actually a really great song. Legitimately. I like the melody. Yeah. Not the mean. And, um, but I was really moved uh, by the, 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 not only how successful the women's Euros was, it's great to see, you know, women's sports growing. That's really awesome to see. But just the England winning was just such a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a big, big thing for, for the women's national team and for hopefully for for women's football women's soccer in the uk to to continue to grow and expand and not be treated with this sort of animosity Mm -hmm. that it has been over the last little while it's great and And actually i saw the stat from grant wall that the three most attended matches of this whole uh calendar year have been women's matches in soccer Mm -hmm. so that's really great to see yeah there is the audience for it and there is the appreciation and the just general love for 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 women for being the best at what they do so much mm-hmm. much love and much appreciation for for all of that and and yep. we're we're happy to see that grow in the right direction yes absolutely but absolutely. back to willie the sports that you and i cover and talk about and watch on on a more regular basis i guess we're going to spend this part of the episode talking about baseball. So for our Premier League fans who aren't as into baseball, be sure to tune into the second half of this episode that will be uploaded simultaneously. That, I think, is going to be a, a really good portion. Where We haven't recorded that yet, but we're about to. Willie, I would be remiss if we didn't start talking about the 2022 Major League Baseball trade deadline that has now come and gone if we did not first address the really sad news that broke last night around 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, a couple hours after the trade deadline passed, that legendary broadcaster, the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years, Vince Scully passed away at the age of 94. I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about Vince Scully because not only do I have a very Vince Scully story, I think they're just, you can't tell the story of baseball. You can't talk about the Dodgers. You can't talk about the city of Los Angeles. You can't talk about any of that without talking about Vin Scully. So I'll, I'll give my story first. It's it's a really short one, and I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Willie, for, for any comments you have to honor, honor Mr. Scully. But a few years ago when I was lucky enough to be working at Dodger Stadium a couple times for a couple Dodgers games, I was in the press box. 
and I was just leaving the men's room in the press box. And on my way out of the men's room, I run into Vince Scully. And, you know, as, as anyone does when they're when they're leaving a room and you hold the door open for the person coming in. And I held him I held the door open for Vince Scully. And in his very Vince Scully way, he said four words that will live with me forever. In his very Vince Scully style. He said, Oh, why thank you, son? That's it. Four simple words. But the way he said it and the presence that he had, even in his last year, that was to me everything that that Vin Scully was for sixty-seven years as a broad mm-hmm. and even even when he re- after he retired, he became a prominent voice just in the baseball community. I mean, man got on social media when he was ninety one years old something like that so mm-hmm. Vince Scully I mean when people in LA I mean I, I know the appreciation may not be as widespread just because baseball is not as popular as the other two sports but just as an American broadcaster he was really the example and I don't think we're ever mm-hmm. going to see any broadcaster no disrespect to to people working really hard to to be the best they can but I don't think we're ever going to see anyone remotely close to what Vin Scully was for his mm-hmm. whole career yeah um first of all I didn't know that story that's a really cool story but that illustrates the most important point of this which is that he's a really nice person and you treat people the right way no matter your circumstances and by all accounts, Vince Scully treated everyone the right way, despite the fact that he's considered widely acclaimed as the best baseball broadcaster of all time and perhaps the best, you know, sports broadcaster of all time. At least there's an argument for that. Um, so that's a really great lesson out there to always treat people the right way. But for me, the thing... The other thing that really just sticks out is um, I've been thinking a lot about recently in life about how sports, I just love sports and how sports means so much and it it just gets me so excited and it's hard to get me that excited and um, he's part of the, he, he, you know, he is, you know, he fits that so well about why people like me get excited. I mean, and and people talk about just when you talk about why sports is amazing, we get immersed in the storylines and you're very present and you talk with your friends and you, you know, you watch a game and you're having food and you listen to someone and Vince Scully, just the way he, he was just the, so good in game. I mean, you just love, it made watching a game so enjoyable. And that's part of the reason we love sports. And, like, yeah, that for me is just the thing that he was so good and he made watching games so enjoyable and really added to a lot of people's life because of that. Like, you wanted to to listen to him and it, it was just so therapeutic, you know? Yeah. And... You know, he just had this presence about him. I mean, just being in the same part of Dodger Stadium as him, 
you, you could tell where he was. I mean, he's he was an icon, almost bigger than any of the players, and almost bigger than any any Dodger legend. You can't talk about Dodgers legends without talking about Vin Scully. And part of what makes this city the sporting town that it is is the Dodgers, specifically the voice of the Dodgers, and and Vin yeah. Scully was that for sixty seven years from sure. when they were in Brooklyn to all the way through his last years in, in two thousand sixteen. So it But but I think it I think it I think it stretches way bigger than that. I mean, obviously, he was the voice of the Dodgers, and he's called some of the most memorable moments um, in the history of baseball and in Dodger, uh, certainly in Dodgers history. But, like, he was so good. I mean, I, I like, like, and you hear everyone talking about you know, that it's it's not even close. Like, it'd be hard to even place any announcer in the same ballpark. And mm. it, it, it is really incredible just when you would listen to talk, and, and this is non-original thought. A lot of other people have said this, but I agree. Like, he just had a way of, while the game was going on, telling these great stories, giving great information, and, you know, fitting it all in the same time and it it made it just such an enjoyable experience to listen to you know it, it really did it really did the the way he was able to and, and uh, to that point like you were saying the way he's able to weave into i mean there was a clip of him talking about a, a give talking you know telling a story on a play with five errors going on all around. I mean, he's That's telling incredible. a story the whole oh while. Gosh. The whole while he's doing play-by-play. I mean, it's you, you can't stop listening because you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's just I think that's it's such a lost art these days because mm. a lot of play-by-play and mm. this may not be the fault of any individual person. It's just the style these days. A lot of times there's a lot of space whether it's radio or yep. TV, play-by-play that's just it, there's too many words there's not enough just yeah silence it's not it's too descriptive of the situation and that's by definition that's the job i get that but there's a certain art to what you say and when you say it and and oh yeah and vin was the modern i mean he was the he was the Michelangelo of of sports commentary i mean everything he, he, he said he said mm-hmm. with the same sort of gravitas and authority yeah that i mean it's it's like i mean even even his his sign off on his last broadcast gives you gives me chills just thinking about it the way he always said yeah no and um you know and like i mean to to what you're saying about kind of the stories with errors and stuff i mean as just a general point i do just want to say that you know, for people that do really like sports, I think one thing that we don't really talk about or realize is like how much announcers add to the experience. Yeah. And and you could say it could really detract from it too. If if there's an announcer you really don't enjoy listening to, it's maybe you want to mute the TV or it's just it kind of makes it annoying. But 
when we, A, in the present moment, it really, really enhances your experience when you have an announcer you like. And B, when we talk about history, part of the way we think about sports history and the beauty and what happens in the past season and is the great calls in the moment and and just remembering what they were talking about in the moment. And, and Vince Scully certainly is like that. When you look back in the history and you think about, you know, Kershaw's no-hitter and you think about, you know, Sandy Koufax and you think about all these great moments, like, like you, you just remember Vince Scully. Like, it's just, you, he added so much and it's hard to find people like that. that. That's why he's the best. There, there will never be another. And he was just the best at what he did for as long as he did it. And that's, that is no small feat. That is a, no, I mean, it, it once in a generation, once in a lifetime. So we as a yeah. collective will miss him. I mean, he hasn't been on the air for five or six years, but we will collectively still miss him for for a long, long time. You know, even as he and I do would have been a hundred plus. One, one last thing, real quick, too. Yeah. Which is, I know, like you said, people in LA had the privilege of maybe easier access. Well, actually, because of the blackout recently, I mean, maybe you could argue it was harder for some people, but, <laughs> but um. Um, you know, baseball, we've talked about how baseball has undergone some, some popularity struggles, but the best part about baseball is twofold. The best part about baseball, I would argue is the experience. Mm. Um, it's not only going to a game and all the things you have to do at a game, which is why attendance has, um, been good actually right now but um but it's when you listen to a game like in baseball because of the airtime like you said the announcers can make like there's such a joy to listening to your broadcast like or to broadcast like in baseball it, it there's something more than than just the game and he exemplifies that he exemplifies why baseball to me has been America's pastime or, you know, and, and why it's been so big. It's because when you talk to my dad and you talk to other people, it's just, they love listening to the game for the experience. Like they just love listening to the announcers talk. Like it's, it, that's what makes baseball such beautiful in that sense. Yep. Right. So I can't describe it for people who are not as into it, but it's it just, the whole experience of, of taking in a game, it's just a beautiful experience, really. So he's really added to that. He has, 100%. And he, mm -hmm. he will forever be the benchmark. I mean... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Brian Anderson, yesterday on the TBS broadcast, Brian Anderson, the play-by-play -play guy, he, he, he was struggling to do his job. I mean, that's how much he... he was affected by it. I mean, he, he came up yeah. doing play-by-play -play for Dodgers minor league affiliates. So mm -hmm. you can only imagine how, just how much of an impact he had on, I mean, this is someone who grew up listening to Skip Carey. And yeah. when he died, it was, it was a pretty big thing. And then just imagine if Skip Carey was 
in that I think he was 66 when he died. If Skip Carey had been doing that since he was, I mean, 67 years is an amazing accomplishment. But that's just, yeah. it's how much he loved it and how much everyone loved him. So, yeah, that was it's incredible. It's it's one one for the ages, truly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. But well said. in in the spirit of honoring his his memory, he would mm-hmm. probably say, and this is what Brian Anderson was saying on the broadcast last night, he would say, just get on with it. Just get on with it. So, Willie... Okay. I can't. Last thing, sorry. Yeah. I, I don't... Like, is there any particular moments from Vin Scully's career that stick out to you? I mean, there's obviously Kurt Gibson's Homer in 88, Hank Aaron's Homer in 74, the iconic moments of baseball history, but it's just... It's more so just who he was and what he represented. I mean, he was okay. the play-by-play... He started as the play-by-play voice for the Dodgers when they were still in Brooklyn, and he moved with incredible. them to baseball... He moved with them to L.A. to basically teach the people of L.A. about baseball, about how it was, because yeah. predominantly in, in those days, baseball was an East Coast sport. It hadn't really expanded yes. out to the West Coast until the true. Dodgers moved out and the Giants moved out, and, and it, it just wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as much of a, a huge thing until the Dodgers came out here, until the Giants came out here, and, and yep. no one is more synonymous with the connection between baseball's past and present then Vin Scully, literally the voice of the Dodgers for I, his whole career. Yeah. So just absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that he was in Brooklyn. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, wow. he was, he was my grandmother's age. So, I mean, she, she was, mm-hmm. I think a year older than him or something like that, mm-hmm. but incredible. do you have any, any major singular moments from Vin Scully? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the perfect games and no hitters, you know, it like, I understand that, that, that legendary moments, homers and stuff really, but for me, those hold such a special place, you know, no hitters and perfect games. And so the ones he's done with Koufax and Kershaw and et cetera, those to me just really stick out if we're talking about singular moments. But mm-hmm. I agree, it's it's more about just the everyday experience. Just the big picture, the whole story for Vince Scully. Yep, for sure. So, for sure. A, a continued appreciation, a long-term appreciation for what he meant for, for baseball and for really for yeah. this country. Absolutely. But again, as he would say, as Brian Anderson was saying yesterday in the broadcast, he would say, just get on with it. Just do your job. Don't, yeah. don't, don't be the story. Well, Tell the story. I'm sure he loves, you know, he, let's say, we're humans. We want, yeah, we want of course, of course. Love. You know, and that's, and that's our way of remembering Vince Scully. That's he, he was mm-hmm. the biggest professional of all. He would, he wouldn't let anything get in the way of him telling us a story of the Dodgers. But in 2022, Willie, the story of the Dodgers, as a perfect segue, is they are a great baseball team that had a great opportunity to get better at the trade deadline. And if you ask me, they didn't. They they didn't get better. 
I would say, well, Chris Martin, you know, I thought Chris Martin, <laughs> Braves okay. fans can tell you about Chris Martin and the Dodgers. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think, um, you know what, Owen, I have to be honest with you now. It, it's, it's interesting. I, I think with the Dodgers specifically, um, I agree that I would have liked to see them get better. I know they're on this humongous winning streak where they've won. They've dropped only what they they went on a period where they they lost four or five games out of thirty. I think they were like twenty one and five in July. So I or mean, something ab- stupid I mean, like that. So so they were you know absolutely on a tear. I agree they could have used help with their pitching staff with with some injuries they have, but. To me, I, I think one thing that's not going to get talked about, and but I do think it is really important to mention, is this. You know, the, the reason that the Dodgers have depth and the reason that the, the Dodgers' whole run is they have a great farm system. And I don't think you can... You should deplete your farm system too much. I mean, they gave up... The trade to Washington last year, they gave up a whole lot in the trade to Washington. I mean, I think Kelbert Ruiz is going to be a really, really good player. And it depends on who you got. But, you know, I don't think... I am I'm don't think from a Dodgers perspective they really should have made a huge splash. Maybe a minor one. But I do just want to say that because the depth of the Dodgers... Is, is what makes them what they are. Conversely, if you look at the Padres, I mean, you know, we'll get to them, but if you don't have the depth, you know, it, it makes things less sustainable. So I have a little bit of a different take. Yeah, I, I mean, the way I see it is effectively, this is a team that is in prime position to make a run at a World Series. They always mm-hmm. seem like they are. And they, they legitimately always are. I mean, the reason you could argue the reason that they didn't win the World Series last year is the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. It's the Giants who won one game more than they did to then, yeah. win the division, get yeah. home field advantage in the playoffs. And oh, yeah. the Dodgers didn't win their division. So even though they won, then, they won yeah. what sixteen more games. 18 more games than the Braves did? They didn't have, or, sorry, they won, oh, I can't do math. No, they won 18 more games than the Braves. And yet they still didn't have home field in that series. And, which is crazy, and on top of that, I mean, I'm sorry, Atlanta fans, but, you know, you know, look, the Scherzer lost, and he got a dead arm, probably because he had to close out game five. So, you know, if he... (laughs) Yeah, but did, did did he have to close out game five, though? No, but you know if. No, nah, I know. I we talked about this last year when the when the decision to. happened. He he yeah. really didn't have to, but. Sure. But no, I, I. Who would you like to see him? Who would you like to have seen them pick up, or what kind of player? What I think I think just. If it's not like a Whit Merrifield type. Or. Mm. A reliever not named Chris Martin, because I truly mm. I truly do think Chris Martin's best days are behind him. The first year the Braves got him from Texas, I thought, now this guy is going to be a big help to the bullpen. 
And then 2020 happened. He was ineffective in 2021. Got the World Series ring, but he was very ineffective last year. And I, I was just, I was confused, not so much because they got Chris Martin, but because they didn't make a strong play at like a Josh Hader. Mm. And now the reason they didn't do that, obviously, is because they wanted to hang on to the prospects that they have because they blew all their prospects to get Scherzer and Trey Turner. And, and what I said last year, I stand by that. I, I said last year that it would be an embarrassment for the Dodgers to not win the World Series, and they didn't. And it was kind of an embarrassment because Scherzer then went and got all his money from yeah. insider trader Steve Cohen. And my dad told me <laughs> that, and I, I can't stop thinking about it. And... Yeah. I mean, they still have Trey Turner, but Trey Turner's a free agent at the end of the year. So where he ends up playing is going to be kind of a question which mark is, too, because yeah, which is, uh, because yeah. the Atlanta Braves also have a free agent shortstop at the end of the season who they have not agreed to a contract with. I mean, I I don't yeah. expect Dansby Swanson to go anywhere, but I also expect Trey Turner's I, agent to well, ask, or I also expect they, Alec Anthopoulos to ask Trey Turner's agent. Point being, the Dodgers didn't want to blow up their farm, they, or not blow up their farm system, but they didn't want to give away some of their top prospects two years in a row just to get mm -hmm. marginally better. But I think that margin is going to be the difference between them either winning the World Series or not winning the World okay. Series. I think it's going to come well, down to that because because yeah. in the rotation, I mean, look, they're going to get Blake Trinan back, sure. But is having Kershaw healthy, is Rias enough of a guy to shoulder the load should he need to be a starter that comes out of the bullpen in October? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of banking on things that Dodgers have done well in the past, continuing to pay off, and you know that's obviously why they're why they're in their jobs getting paid the big bucks and why we're here talking about them yeah. getting paid the big bucks you know, to do the things that they're doing. But you know, it's uh, I mean, in Walker Bueller, that's the you that know, too as well. Wild yes. card is in this thing. Yeah, because they've been relying on a couple pitchers that you wouldn't expect them to. I agree. I think. The starting pitching is definitely a big question mark. Um, but I, by the way, like how crazy is Kershaw's resurgence? Isn't that incredible? It's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Like to, for him to come out of the gates first start of the season, what was it? Seven perfect innings or something like that. Six perfect innings mm -hmm. with a low pitch count and then being pulled out of the game and then doing it later mm -hmm. again in the season and just and having it broken up it. like that. They should have kept him. They, they should have kept him in. Yeah, I mean, but he even I don't know how much of this is is the front office telling him what to say, but even he sure, was saying sure, in sure. that first start of the year, like I, I agree with that decision. Is, is, Owen, is there any any? Let's go through a list of how many guys can you think of that have been this good? How many pitchers can you think of that have been this good for this long, and have been able to adapt their game? Their, their way they pitch, like Kershaw. I mean, obviously, Wainwright comes to mind a little bit. I mean, just because he's been around so long. But is there any any guys that you can you can think of that have just been able to change the way they pitch and maximize their careers like Kershaw? I mean, I think you got to look at that same, that same age group. I think Justin Verlander is maybe the only other one besides Wainwright who you could put in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And... Sure. And even so, Verlander hasn't really changed the way he pitches a whole he lot. Pitches, he he no, pitches pretty stuff. similarly. I mean, he's very he's similar. he's down Basketball maybe a few miles an hour from when he was you know twenty five, but 
he's still he's still throwing hard it's still the same style it's still justin verlander he's still going to give you justin verlander you know and and when he started to lose velo that's when i think he started to to Mm -hmm. struggle a little bit but he adapted really Mm -hmm. easily i don't think kershaw ever had like a horrible horrible season like a five and a half era or anything like that i mean i don't think verlander did either but he had he had a couple seasons that weren't great but he, are, he, he also set some pretty incredible standards. I remember watching him at Turner Field when the Tigers played the Braves. They shut out the Braves oh. that day, and I was like, yeah, no, there's, there's a CG shut piece from Verlander. That's why. Wow. Okay. So, that so that was, was when the Tigers uh, were, was... yeah. Those what Tigers teams meant business. They were good. They had some really, really good teams that made the went deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So They, they but, had um, some talent. Yeah, I, I think. But just coming off the top of my head, I mean, I wish I could think of some older ones. I mean, you know, a little bit of Zach Greinke, a little bit before. He's kind of past it now. Yeah. But he was really able to. Um, I mean, you mentioned Verlander. I think, I mean, another guy, a little bit. Eh, I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe that's that's about it for the comps I can think of off the top of my head. But but it is remarkable. It is it is um really remarkable to see. I just it's it's so it's mind boggling to think too that Kershaw is only thirty four or yeah, something like that. No, he's he, not, you know, he's not forty years. old. He's thirty four years old. He he feels like I feel like he's been around for forever. He's 34 you know, years old. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, not... I remember... Oh, and I, I... And you know what's crazy about this is sometimes in in athletes' careers, there there have been lots of moments, like, you can pinpoint where athletes, they they almost leave and, like, or, or earlier in their career, they want to get traded or whatever. And, like, I really thought that... Um, in 2019, um, when the Dodgers crashed out against the Nationals, mm. um, and you know Kershaw, you know gave up the winning runs in that game. I believe it was two runs, right? It was Soto and uh, who? Who else was it? Um, do you remember? It's Howie Kendrick, I think. Was it? Oh, it was Kendrick. It was, yeah. it was right because he came in relief. Yeah, but I thought after that, and there was questions in the press conference, was it their last game? And just think about this for a second, Owen. If Kershaw leaves from from there, um, think about how differently he'd be remembered. He'd be this great guy who didn't win a title with the Dodgers and, and could never do it in the postseason. And he stayed, and he got that one World Series. And he was so good for them, and he carried the load. Um, and you know, so I just wanted to, I know that's a little off track, but I did just want to say that it's, it's great to see, but ultimately I think that the, the Dodgers needed to make more moves. And I think the last thing I'll say without blaring the point is that a pivotal moment, which, um, I think you couldn't see it at the time, but really affected the whole trajectory was the signing of Trevor Bauer. Like yep. they had, they had a chance to 
go after other pitchers in that class, and they spent it on Trevor Bauer. Yeah. And they envisioned him for moments like this. You know, if you have a peak Trevor Bauer to go along, like, okay, Bueller gets hurt. Okay. Bauer steps right in. You know what I mean? So, yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just one of those things, I think, where you never really. You, 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 you never knew that that was going to happen with Trevor Bauer, and so you can't really blame the Dodgers for not no. trying to. I agree. I guess insure themselves, for lack of a better word, but I still think they they had an opportunity at this deadline. I don't know what it was, but they had an opportunity to get better, or okay. they they could have more aggressively pursued opportunities to get better, and they just didn't. Sure. And will that come back to haunt them in October? Probably. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I mean, you can't win a World Series at the trade deadline, but you can give yourself a lot of momentum to have a very strong second half of the season and get yourself momentum going into October, case in point, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And other teams that have gone out at the trade deadline, gotten their guy, won the World Series. The yeah. Astros in 2017 as well. Yeah. No, that, I mean, absolutely. You're, that's well said. So, uh, can, I, can I ask you a point on the Dodgers, though? Before yeah. Before we switch teams? Yeah. Now we're going offhand, but I, I want to get your thoughts on on Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers and how you how we make of the trade right now. I mean, because, look, Freddie Freeman, I know it's just one year, but, you know, it looks like the Dodgers right now have gotten the better end of the, the stick. Well, okay, so... Not the trade to be, you know. Right, 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 right. right. The so, oh my, of the teams. oh my God, I, <laughs> I can't. I haven't been able to stop thinking about this for the better part of a month and a half. So, for those who who aren't as in the loop with the Freddie Freeman deal, so we talked about this last last time we had a podcast. We talked about this in in, in April, our last episode. Yeah. We talked about Freddie Freeman signing with the Dodgers versus signing with the Braves. At the time, it was common knowledge, it was basically accepted that Freddie Freeman had two offers in front of him, one from the Braves, one from the Dodgers. Braves deal was five years, $135 million. Dodgers deal was six years, $160 million. Factoring in taxes for living in California, just general living costs, and the extra year with the offer that he had with the, from the Braves, Given the AAV and the effective AAV, we'll call it, on those two deals, he would have made more money had he stayed in Atlanta and taken one less year. At the time, the perception from the Freeman camp, and you would assume this means Freddie Freeman and his agent, that the Braves did not want to offer more than five years. That much is widely accepted. Later in June of this year, when the Braves visited Atlanta... For Freddie, for, or not the Braves, the Dodgers visited Atlanta and Freddie Freeman returned to Atlanta, got his big standing ovation, shed some tears, got his fancy World Series ring that he helped deliver to the city of Atlanta, first one since 1995. He understandably got a little emotional. But there was also something that came out following the Sunday night game between the Dodgers and the Braves that came down to the wire and Dodgers ended up winning. There was a tweet by. Buster oh, only, yeah. I think it was, that said that no, no, Freddie no the, the, it was I'm not talking about that one yet. This is oh. this is initially. So Freddie there's a tweet from a, a major base where I think it was Buster Olney, I can't remember who it was, okay. but that basically that Freddie Freeman had instructed the league to contact all agents to say do not contact Freddie Freeman. 
what that means is that the player is in the process of firing their agent. It's later revealed that Freddie Freeman, after being in Atlanta for the first time since going to the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman fired his agent or is in the process of doing so. And you're thinking, well, he went back to Atlanta. He saw the ovation from Braves fans. Braves fans truly, and we, I can't speak for all Braves fans, but I, I'm sure the vast majority, 95% of Braves fans are all in this camp that Freddie Freeman was the most important piece, or if not one of the top three most important pieces in winning the World Series in 2021. Braves would not be there without Freddie Freeman. And that's, that's not really up for discussion. That's kind of... It, if you watch baseball, you know. And so after being in Atlanta for the first time in a Dodger uniform, Freddie Freeman fires his agent. Had he been thinking about firing his agent for a long time? I don't know. But a speculative tweet two days later from Doug Gottlieb, the radio host, <laughs> of all people, of all of all people all isn't he a basketball <laughs> guy too? Yes. Absolutely. A basketball guy tweets out a statement saying, that the Braves never had their last offer of five years, $135 million, communicated to Freddie Freeman. Now, his former agent released a statement saying that he and his team had been transparent with, this is the important thing, the Freemans. It does not mention Freddie Freeman explicitly. So immediately after I read that, the, the wheels start turning a little bit. Was this a conspiracy theory behind Freddie Freeman's inner circle preventing him from staying in Atlanta because the Dodgers gave him one extra year? So my, my conspiracy theory brain just started rolling and rolling and rolling. And again, I'm, I'm doing this with a massive smile on my face for those who are listening to this and not watching what I will probably put on YouTube as a funny, funny little clip. But basically, Freddie Freeman very well could have been in a Braves uniform, right? He could be in a Braves uniform right now because the idea was... Had he known that last offer of five years, $135 million was on the table, he would have taken it. He apparently did not know that was the offer. And this is all claimed by Doug Gottlieb, who is now being sued by Excel Sports Management Freddy's old agency, old agent for mm. defamation or for, I don't know what the term is for, for live, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Well, I don't know what the legal term is. I'm not a lawyer, but he's being sued for Tweeting no. this out, tweeting out false information, basically. And I'd be tempted to agree because there's no source, there's no attribution to Gottlieb's tweet whatsoever. There's, it's just a tweet, right? But when you take it at face value, it's like, oh yeah, he's probably just making it up for, for likes and clicks and whatnot. He's capitalizing on the fact that there's this big, big brouhaha about Freddie Freeman and the Braves and the Dodgers and, you know, him caught in the middle of the two. But then you ask yourself this very important question. Why in the world would you do that? Why would someone who just signed a six year contract with a perennial powerhouse, <laughs> a very lucrative deal, I might add, to live in the region that he's from, 
close to his family to play for a great organization like the Dodgers, leaving an organization that he loved very much, but ultimately didn't want to give him this sort of the sort of offer that the Dodgers gave him. Why would he then, after being in Atlanta for the first time, after winning a World Series with Atlanta, getting his ring, getting a standing ovation, well, several standing ovations, and then getting booed for the rest of the game because, you know, that's baseball. Why would he fire his agent? I mean, that's the part to me that still I want to know because it's like, if you're happy with the people who represent you, right? If the people who represent you are doing what is in your best interest, or they're doing their best to support you, why would you fire them? It doesn't make sense to me why that train, why that sequence of events would go in the way that it would go, unless what Doug Gottlieb said is true. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not now. Look, this is again a conspiracy theory, a massive conspiracy theory that has drained most of my attention from whatever that series was in late yeah. June until now. And this is the first time I've talked about it kind of since then. On I mean, this is the first time I've talked about it in the podcast. But it's just it's just it's mind boggling to me to think that you'd be happy with your agent and then you fire them. <laughs> so are you? Are you more surprised at the potential fact that the offer wasn't communicated or that he did it after playing the game in Atlanta? I'm just surprised he fired his agent to begin with. Unless unless he had already thought after signing that deal, unless he'd thought, okay, I'm going to retire when my deal's up. I don't need an agent anymore. I'm just going to... I'm going to cut this off, save some money, and then be done with it but you still kind of need an agent if anything happens like if the team needs to trade yeah. you and you you need an agent as a player you know even if you're at the later stages of your career i'm sure i'm sure some guys are still represented by <laughs> their agents just for well, for commercial sure. for whatever purposes you you want so well yeah. that's the that's the part that i'm not really convinced that he's well, look, as, satisfied with his know, agent athletes do change agents but the Bottom line, like you said, is the circumstances surrounding this. It's it's just too very, suspicious for me. That's what I'm saying. It's very suspicious. And, um, you know, what I find so interesting is that, um, you know, it and it's it is very very interesting. Um, you know. What I find hard to believe about this story is, well, on one hand, why would you make something up like that But uh, and stand by it, double down on it, unless you had some truth? On the other hand, what I find very interesting about this thing is this was a topic that I don't think I ever gave as much attention to. I was definitely wrong. Um, I, I said on one of our podcasts I thought I was going to stay, but... Um, this was talked about the whole last season, like his impending free agency. And how would an offer in that whole time not be communicated? Like you have one year. You don't think it's communicated? Like you don't think they've ever talked about 5-135? Like you don't think that's ever like, well, come so, up? So what 
and this is my understanding. I don't know how accurate this is. But my understanding is that, like with Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman and the Braves oh. couldn't come to an agreement on a deal before the 2021 <laughs> season. And so Freddie Freeman told his agents to tell the Braves, look, I want to focus on the season. This is going to distract me. And that's oh. Freddie Freeman got off to an abysmal start in the start he of the 20. 20- I think people forget that. He was he was hitting he under the Mendoza bad. line. He was yeah. so bad for the first month of the season. And he still ended up hitting 300. He had a, a ridiculous season from May through September. But the first first month of his season was awful because he was in the middle of of dealing with the contract situation, the fact that he was yeah. going to be a free agent if he couldn't come to an extension. They couldn't come to an agreement, and so he said, shut down all negotiations until after the season. Yeah. We'll, we'll deal with it after the season. Mm-hmm. And obviously his stock was at an all-time high after the season, so the Braves not re-signing him, and th- you know, to me that's kind of on them at the first half of 2020, <laughs> not so much 2021, because th- 2020, before he won MVP... That was when his stock was in this general time frame. Yeah. That's when it was the lowest. Now it's at an all-time high. So they could have they could have got him with one with five one thirty-five before the twenty twenty season, or six yeah. maybe six one fifty-five. That's the tough part of uh, sports, like the Jalen Brunson deal in the NBA. You have to project how good they're going to be, and you maybe you can get a favorable contract if you do it earlier, but. But I, I, so, but what to what you're saying, and I didn't realize that that he was in, he wanted to focus on it during the season and not talk about the negotiations. So then, by that logic, it is possible that that he's like, I don't want to be distracted, and therefore maybe he told like his family, and the family didn't want to bring it up, and therefore it just got lost in translation. So it, it's possible. Yeah. No, I and and like you're saying, I haven't thought about it the way that you're saying it right now. So it is yeah. enti- look, it's entirely possible, but it, it's it, it, to me the timing is suspicious. The sequence of events is suspicious. It leads me to believe that there's something going on behind the scenes that we won't know about for years until Freddie Freeman is done playing. But what is this, what's suspicious about the timing? Well, the fact that he fires his agent, or the news breaks that he fires his agent after he goes back to Atlanta, he yeah. gets. A standing ovation. He a five minute standing ovation from all of Braves country. He gets a standing ovation when he takes the box for the first time, and then he gets booed for the rest of the game because you know baseball. Well, I mean, I think bottom line though is is that whether or not the Doug Gottlieb thing is true, it's very possible that throughout the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season, even if excuse me, uh, he didn't want to get involved in it, it's very possible that. Maybe he just felt like it's all speculation, but the transparency, the communication with not only the agent and the Braves, but the communication between the Freeman camp, like family and the agent, wasn't very good, and that he was kind of upset, and then you know he just got emotional and did it. But it it's very possible he would have done that anyways. It's just he decided to, or just or he just decided to pull the trigger because it it brought a lot out of him. But, um, you know, clearly there there was some lack of 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 you know, a, Freddie Freeman was upset clearly. So, yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 that's last thing I'll say, which I find interesting, right? Is that you know, 
What I find so bizarre about this situation is, like, so for example, if you look at the Russell Westbrook, so Russell Westbrook, actually, I could be wrong. I actually think, so he fired his agent. I actually think that he signed Freddie Freeman's agent, I think. Jeff Schwartz from Excel. Which that I think sounds is, right, yeah. So I think it's the same. But what I find so interesting is, like, you know, it just seemed, it just seemed like, with regards to this, what I can't figure out, I just want to mention this too, Freddie Freeman, is, is you know, if you really want to stay a brave, like, is this that big a deal? Like, it's, I, it comes back to, like, is one year that big a deal, too? I, you know, like, <laughs> if you really want to stay with the team. Yeah. No, I guess we're really asking the wrong person the wrong question. Yeah. You know, I, I think this will be really interesting once it all gets resolved in a few years and once this is all forgotten. And Where's the article in the athletic? The right. Article exactly. Athletic. Exactly. Yeah. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the Ken Rosenthal article yeah. in the athletic about yeah, about go. the Freddie Freeman saga and, and how this yeah, whole like, thing yeah. played out and how years from now people look back at it and go, Wow, that was really weird in, in light of information we'll know well, years from well, now. But I how I do have a question. How is it going to be perceived if the Dodgers do, in Freddie Freeman's time, win a World Series and Freeman's a part of it? I mean, how is that going to be perceived? Well, the Dodgers, it means the Dodgers get exactly what they paid for. They paid for a World Series winning first baseman who was consistent beyond all consistency throughout his entire tenure. And I don't, and I I will also say that I, I, I think this is also an example. I know it's early in the deal, but. Sometimes in sports, like you see this in the NBA a lot, teams will say, I'm going to pay less and get X amount of close to the same production. And I, you tell me, but I don't think you could argue that the, the production for Matt Olsen has been good enough compared to what they lost. Yeah, and... The Braves are an interesting one to analyze, and we'll have to wait till the end of the season, you know, after the World Series, to really be able to analyze it. Because I think with with Matt Olson, I mean, I was watching the game today, and even even they were saying on the broadcast that he doesn't feel he hasn't really gotten his feet under him yet, and he's still producing at a pretty high level for someone who hasn't really gotten their feet under him yet. I mean, he's well, still he still has. I think it was one fewer, one more RBI than Austin. I think he's one fewer RBI than Austin Riley with. 30-something doubles already at this point in the season. I mean, he he's having, a, by all accounts, a decent season. I mean, maybe not up to his expectations, but yeah. he's having a decent year. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, hitting under 200 and, you know, with single-digit home runs and, and whatnot. He's, he's having a decent year. It's just not quite as good as either A, Freddie Freeman would be doing, potentially, or B... You know, if if he was completely comfortable, but that yep. said, you're talking about someone who's making a pretty big change. I mean, he's been in Oakland A for the last four or five seasons, and now he has to get used to having friends and family around 
all the time and they get to go to Braves games all the time. Yeah. And it's not just, oh, we'll go see the A's when they play Atlanta. It's no, 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 no. Matt Olson is a home play. He's he's playing at home now in Atlanta. It's a pretty big change. And and yeah, these guys are professionals and they're so good at what they do. But, you know, the the clubhouse is different. The people are different. The cities, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So I yeah. didn't necessarily expect him to come out of the gate, you know, hitting 300 with 35 home runs at this mm-hmm. point in the season. But, you know, as a Braves fan, am I mad that we have Matt Olson? Am I mad at his production? No, not in the slightest, because we're in the middle of a Braves season where the multi-billion dollar New York Mets, billion with a B, Steve Cohen, billionaire Steve Cohen, didn't really do much to make the team better at the trade deadline. And the Braves are just three and a half games back. So going into a five game series in New York starting tomorrow, so wow really am i all that mad not no not really no because austin riley is having an even better season than freddie freeman austin riley is by all intents and purposes he should be the front runner for nl mvp right now yeah he he had a historic month of july most extra base hits in baseball overall number one but number two in a calendar month in franchise history that passed some guy named hank aaron austin riley had a ridiculous season and he's been producing since the start of 2021 maybe the you know maybe early early may late april 2021 but he has been on fire since then and you know obviously i'm biased but he think he's worth the money oh he's absolutely worth the fat extension that he got the uh what was it yesterday or the day yesterday he's absolutely worth that extension 10 years 212 million dollars that's a bargain for austin i mean and he even he you know he grew up in braves country he wants to be a brave for the rest of his career he said that's the goal and the braves i want to have him in atlanta for as long as he's austin riley for as long as this he's this version or close to this version of austin riley i mean yeah. You know, most guys, when they, when they get paid that kind of money, they, you know, they start living more extravagantly. I don't think that's going to happen with Austin Riley. I mean, yeah, he'll he'll take no, care of his family. He'll get nice things. He's going to buy like 15,000. Like he seems he seems to be pretty, pretty grounded. I think he'll probably end up just okay. buying 15,000 acres of land in in, <laughs> you know, Mississippi and Arkansas and, and just 15,000 acres of prime hunting land. And he'll just hunt all off season. And he's just a he's just a country boy. He likes to do? He's a that's big, he big to do. hunting guy. Big, him, big him hunting and, uh, guy. Him and Bumgarner. Yeah. Him and um, Bumgarner. Chipper's a big hunter, too, so I wouldn't be surprised. Is he? Chipper? Oh. Yeah. Does Chipper still live in? Oh, what is Yeah, he lives in Chipper, Atlanta. Chipper, I, I think he splits time between Atlanta and, like, Texas, maybe. I don't I don't know. Chipper's, you know. It, but, yeah, okay. But, but. Okay. yeah. Back to the back to your question. I'm not mad the Bra- the, that the Braves got Matt Olson. I'm not mad at Matt Olson's production this year. I'm disappointed at times, sure, but that's more of a holistic thing with the Braves. I mean, their inability to manufacture runs is so frustrating because it seems like the Braves are more like a like a Tampa Bay type team than Tampa yeah. Bay. Like they live and die by the three true outcomes. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. It is it is what it is, I guess. I mean, they're, they're right there, and, and, you know, we're just starting August, and the Braves got measurably better at the trade deadline. I mean, I'm not a fan of Odorizzi. I think he's he's blech. I'm happy the Braves did find Will Smith a new home, though, because it wasn't working in Atlanta. And while, while I'm personally upset that Jesse Chavez mm-hmm. was brought back 
only to be dealt later in the season. Getting Rysel Iglesias is huge. I mean, yeah. the Braves, and then when Kirby Yates comes back from his rehab assignment, the Braves will have four former closers in their bullpen. It's incredible. That's outrageous. You're talking yeah. Kenley Jansen's a closer. Rysel Iglesias was a closer. Kirby Yates was a closer. <laughs> and AJ Mint, I mean, not, not a full bone. Who do you think will, will be the closer? Kenley Jansen. But I know he's promised the, the closer job, yeah. But Spider. yeah, no, it, it, in in a three game series and you need to win two of them in your closer, he's gonna pitch those two games. And if there's a third requiring a save from a closer, then it's probably gonna be Rysel Iglesias, and then Kirby Yates mm-hmm. might be set up. But but just think about it, where you can use Tyler Matzik, who was lights out in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. AJ Minter lights out in the postseason mm-hmm. last year. You don't you can use those guys in the fifth inning, in the fourth inning, because you have that much depth in the bullpen to be able to cover all of that if say you know Spencer Strider goes out in a playoff series and he throws he struggles through three innings but only gives yeah. up you know one or two runs and you're in the game you can go Minter Matzik Dylan Lee Rysel Iglesias Kirby Yates Kenley Jan- I mean it's it's silly to to have that embarrassment of riches but I'm all for it yeah. I mean I'm like the Dodgers yes the Dodgers also have that kind of depth too in their bullpen I mean Gratterall could yeah. be a closer Kimbrel's a closer he's a, he's you know when he's good yeah. uh, and then Blake Trinan was a closer I, I think you're on to it. I mean, it, it's going to be an incredible bullpen, and you're right. That's the predominant reason, I think, why the Braves won last year was just how dominant their bullpen was, and you know, Matzik and Minter and all these guys, and and but, somehow uh, Will Smith turning into prime Mariano Rivera. Yeah. I, I don't know Will how Smith he was so good great. last year. Didn't he have a sub two ERA in the postseason? In the world's in the postseason? I think so. I could Will be Smith? Wrong. No. It was, oh, it was sub two for sure. Okay. Willie, it was sub one. So, yeah. It was zero. One. He had a zero ERA in the postseason. Really? He did not oh give up gosh. a single earned run in the postseason. Zero. Oh, my gosh. Zero. Is that so? Opponents okay. BA was like 160, I think. Zero. Oh, my gosh. Zero earned run. I mean, That's it was, incredible. It was, it was stupid. I was like, where was this regular in the regular season when your ERA was close to four? <laughs> I mean, obviously, That's that matters incredible. more in October, but it, it was... Like, look, I, I, I said this on Twitter the other day. I will always be grateful for, for Will Smith in not only yeah. getting the last out in the World Series, but having basically a Mariano Rivera-esque postseason when all season, every time he got the ball in the ninth inning with a one-run lead, I was like, nah, we're not going to win this game. But yeah. it just it just happened, just happened like that. And... You know, it just didn't work this year. This year, Will Smith was just really bad. I mean, the whole thing with Juan Soto from a, as a Braves fan was objectively funny. Like, oh. I was laughing at Will Smith because it's like, dude, it's Juan Soto. You can't get Juan Soto out. No one can get Juan Soto. I mean, he's, I think, he was 0 for 1 yeah. last I checked in today's game. Uh, we haven't talked okay. about Juan Soto yet. We have to talk about the Padres just deciding oh, to... Before, real quick, before yeah. we wrap up on that. Padres, we'll get there and be concise, but just how would you quickly contrast uh, and compare this year's Braves team to last year's Braves? It's it's very different because last year's Braves team was necessitated at least at post trade date post trade deadline. That was necessitated by injuries and player absences. This year was. This year's trade deadline was focused on depth and getting better 
at every mm-hmm. position as far as just having the ability to throw out your number one guys. And if your number one guys get hurt or they can't, they're not yeah. available two days in a row, the number two guys can step up and they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Robbie Grossman hit the first pitch. He almost hit the first pitch that he saw as an Atlanta Brave yeah. out into the chop house. I mean, he, he yep. missed a home run by like 10 feet, maybe. Yeah. And that's because that brick wall is huge. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to compare. I'd say if you would have asked me on paper at the start of both seasons, if this was the final team after the trade deadline, which team's going to win the World Series? I wouldn't have said last year, but Eddie Rosario went on like a three-month heater he last year. Jorge Soler figured out how to hit home runs again. He Jock did. Peterson was Jock Peterson, yep. and Adam Duvall had 100-plus RBIs last year. So none of that is something I think anyone was expecting going into both last yeah. season and then this season. Yeah, And then, I mean... We talk about last year's trade deadline, again, as a class of its own, because how many times in history have GMs got out and basically got what would be the division series MVP if they had an award for that? That would have been Jock Peterson, the NLCS MVP, Eddie Rosario, and the World Series MVP all before the trade deadline, all in the same season. I mean, that's you never see that. It just it just all came together at the right time with the right people for i mean not just not just the braves but georgia too i mean i wasn't expecting georgia to win the title last year and that was yeah that was the best two-month stretch i've ever had as an atlanta slash georgia sports fan so you know i listened i re-listened to the whole paul feinbaum show where of where they won the title the other like two weeks ago it was, it was a good feeling it's a good feeling watching uh for watching georgia beat bama sure. um, yeah that's interesting though for sure. yeah i do want to i do want to get to Soto. I do want to get to Juan Soto though, Willie, because we. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Well, okay, so okay, I'll, 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 I want to, I want to say something. Yeah. It's gonna take it in a little bit of a different direction. Okay. But I, 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 I do want to mention this. So to me, I think the casual listeners and the casual fans, I think will find this more interesting and. Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, the common narrative is going to, big talking point is going to be, you know, never does a player like this get traded in baseball as talented as a perennial MVP candidate. But for me, this is the bigger story to me. And and no one's going to talk about it. I'm just going to say it. And I'd love to get a couple minutes of your take. And, and it, it's a little different, but I'm interested. So I was rewatching. Um, you know, uh, an episode that happened during the pandemic where um, Aaron Boone was doing his interview. He was doing an interview and he was talking about the, you know, series where he hit the walk-off home run against the Red Sox and that whole season where he got traded from Cincinnati and the lead-up in that whole series. And the mench- the thing that was amazing was when you look at those two rosters, they were incredible. I mean, stacked top to the bottom. And you also had Pedronas Prime and Roger Clemens, like um, who was at the end of his career. But but that was the height of that rivalry. And to me, this is a little bit of a, a controversial take, but I'm gonna say it. Yankees Red Sox feel like it's peaked. I don't think 
that the rivalry feels the same. I know they played in the postseason a couple years ago. It feels like it's just not the same. And unless you're a hardcore fan, it, it, it feels like it's lost. And to me, the the where I wanted to take this was, it feels like the the Yankees Red Sox has peaked and it's lost a lot of its um, kind of uh, you know spoil thing. And I think exactly what baseball needs is a you know these the Padres are so exciting. They're exact. It's a shame they're on the West Coast because. They're exactly what baseball needs. They're filled with young, great players. Very exciting. And I think that the Padres-Dodgers is, I would I would say, on the cusp of becoming the new best rivalry in baseball. And I think for the next, like, 10 years, could be that way. And, and, and it'll be different. I don't know if we're ever going to see the rivalry in terms of the pure... Um, talent that the Yankees and Red Sox had in their heyday, and you know, look, there is the whole fight, but but the Dodgers, uh, Padres can make up for that in spiciness and excitement. I mean, it doesn't matter when. I know the that the the Dodgers have gotten the better end of it, but you know, typically when these two teams play, um, there there is a lot of excitement and people don't realize this but there's just a lot of drama when these two teams play so that's my take and i think it's what baseball needs to be honest with you i i totally agree and and here's here's why i want to go with this willie beyond the padres getting a generational talent and also someone who's not to be slept on in josh bell like i think people are overlooking how big of a deal it is that the padres not only got soto they got josh bell too i mean Soto's he's, hitting 240. So right. Soto's Soto's having by his I mean he's still he's he's here. getting on base at a what, like a homers. 440 something yeah, 440 something <laughs> clip. He's still getting yeah. on base at a ridiculous pace because people just can't they don't want to pitch to him. Pitch to him. For good reason. And now he's on a team where you have to pitch to somebody. You don't have to pitch to Juan Soto, fine. But when he's healthy, you have to pitch to take your pick. Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. Josh Bell, Brandon Drury's having a career year. And yeah. even so, some of the some of the guys further down the lineup, Jake Cronenworth, he's no slouch. No more Mazzara can hit a ball 550 yards. Yep. Yards, not feet, yards. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it just goes on and on and on. You have to pitch to somebody. You can't just yeah, start no, off every game by like walking but, in two runs and I, then pitching to someone. What I say, which is interesting, is that contrary to the perception, you know, you're right. They didn't have Drury and uh, Tatis has been hurt, and they didn't have Soto. But actually, their offense has been struggling. It's been the weakest part of their team. So <laughs> they're going to go from and and that's a scary thought because when you get the spark plug, the dynamic player known as Fernando Tatis Jr. to start yeah. all that off. I do just want to say though that like we can't overlook the fact. I know they got Drury, but you know Hosmer was having a really good year too. He had a good start. He definitely has started tapering off after that, though. Sure. He, he he. That was, I think, a very necessary deal for them to do. And and people were saying that Patrick Corbin was going to get attached to Juan Soto because the Nats just wanted to get rid of that contract. 
And when I first saw the rumor that Josh Bell was going to be included in the Soto trade, I was like, like, oh my God, they're going to get the best, the second best player on the Nationals and probably the best pure hitter in baseball as well. (laughs) That's, that's ridiculous because Josh Bell is a, is a gold glove caliber 30 home run potential guy. He's a great baseball player. People are just overlooking that because he's played for two teams that are going in very, very, very bad direction. I mean, the Pirates, I think, have more to be... Uh, quite frankly, the Pirates probably have more to be optimistic about than the Nationals do right now. He was he, Bell was the one bright spot of the Pirates. Yeah, yeah, but sure. but I mean the Pirates now they I mean to to give them some love they have they have a couple bright spots too with O'Neill Cruz and Key Brian Hayes if he's healthy and then Brian Reynolds still being Brian Reynolds still a great player. Yeah, well, he's still a great player. Uh, he's not sure, sure. he's not really one you can just look over. But look. I've been listening to a lot of a lot of sports, a lot of podcasts and a lot of a lot of commentary on this one Soto deal and and to you know be able to talk about both the Premier League and and everything else because I know it's it's yeah. late uh New York time. Yep. Really it th- this is going to be the most exciting just lead up to the postseason that we've had in a while. At least it's shaping up to be that way, especially when you have a team that's on a juggernaut pace like the Dodgers mm. that they are a juggernaut every single year. And now you have the Padres, who not only have the talent, but they have the one thing that last year they didn't have, and that's Bob Melvin. They have a fantastic baseball guy, a big, big baseball mind, one of the most respected people in the entire sport as your manager. When you have probably, as far as just raw talent, you have the most talented Mm -hmm. squad, top to bottom. I, I think the Padres have the most talent, you, top you to bottom. So? Wow. Between Soto, yeah. Machado, and Tatis, right there. Then you add Josh Bell to the mix. Then you add all of, all the other players. You have Hassan okay. Kim is a great fill-in oh, yeah, defensive yeah. player wherever you put him. Aaron Nola is fantastic behind the plate. Jake Cronenworth, rock solid. And then after that, just think, oh, you have the three-headed monster in a five-game series. You have to deal with Blake Snell, you Darvish, and Mike Clevenger. Um... And then Snell if you if you if you get past that and you get, there's you know maybe a couple guys in the bullpen that are kind of sus, but say you you have a one run deficit and you're going into the bottom of the eighth inning or, or late in the eighth inning or the ninth inning, and guess who runs out of the bullpen? Josh Hader, <laughs> probably one of the most unhittable closers. Well, who's struck? Well, yes, he struggled lately. Briefly, but though, well, let's talk about that briefly because yeah, um, what? I just want to say this real quick. So so. I really think the hater thing is what could get them the title. But I, I, I think this whole relative uh, struggles by hater is is an incredible story. And they gave away Taylor Rogers, and they are betting, despite all this said. They're betting a whole lot that Hader is going to return. Now, there's a lot of theories about he's undergone some stuff in his personal life as well. But I'm curious what you make of Hader and, uh, you know, do you think he can get back to his best? And what what, what do you think well, going on? I, okay, so he pitched last night and he was nails. I mean, obviously it, they're playing Colorado and Colorado hasn't really, you know, they haven't really done much this year. So Not it's... At they're at home. Yeah. No, they're in San Diego. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So they're in San Diego and... and Bad team at home. Right. So it, it, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, Josh Hader's back to normal. It was more so just like, if the Brewers know something that the rest of us don't, then this is maybe a case that is actually just going to benefit Josh Hader more than anyone else because sometimes when there's a bunch of stuff going on, whether it's personal or just you're, you're yeah. in a funk, you get to change the scenery. I mean... I wouldn't be surprised if Joey Gallo hits 15 home runs between now and the end of the season. And we'll talk about Joey Gallo in a second with the one the one main acquisition the Dodgers made. I don't made. want... Yeah. But all I'm saying is it's, it's a change of scenery which can just reset so much. I he mean, yeah. because you go from playing in Milwaukee, which, no disrespect to Milwaukee, it's, I'm sure it's... Be, I've never been. I'm sure it's a beautiful city. But it must be so cold most of the year. Yeah. And it, it, it just... This is this is our West Coast bias kicking in, Willie. But I mean, you and I both live on the West Coast full time. And yeah. is this is this like where do you, where else would you want to be than Southern California? No, Specific, you get to live in San Diego, where mm-hmm. if you've ever been to San Diego, you know. And you get to play for a team that has a bunch of young talent, and I'm sure Hater had heard rumblings of the Padres being in the mix for Juan Soto and him going there doesn't necessarily mean that the Padres weren't going to get Soto because yeah. they ended up getting him. So I, I think it could be... It, it. Everything is pointing to Josh Hader getting back to being at least most of what he used to be in Milwaukee when he was it's, at his best. Well, it, it's... Yeah, and look, you mentioned... I, I, and I think, like you're mentioning, not only the weather, but I think you hit on a good point earlier, which is that change of scenery in sports makes such a big difference. And when you're in a quote unquote better situation, whether that's an organization or just an experience you're excited about, you typically perform the best. So that could be exactly what he needs. Um, but you know, like there's also like you were talking about with Matt Olson, that sometimes the hardest part about going to new places, it's the off the field stuff, right? Now they're going to, they've been in Milwaukee for their whole career. They're going to have to find, Maybe they're going to have to live out of a hotel. I mean, you never know, right? So it is a question. But to me, the fact that he's a lefty, and if you're looking at the Dodgers, for example, they, they struggle against lefties. So to me, I think the hater thing could really swing, make or break their title yeah. for me. I, no, and, I agree. I agree. And And last thing, I mean, do you think, like, do you think? I mean, they're not going to catch the Dodgers for the division. So, do you, do you like their chances to kind of? I mean, so I could be wrong, right? But the draw based on the postseason, right? They play the Mets the first round. No, they I play believe. the Braves the first round. They play the Braves. So, I mean, <laughs> who would you take in that? Series? I, I like the Padres. Oh, I, I don't like the Braves in that series. I mean, the Padres already took two out of three from the Braves, and that was without Tatis. And now oh. just add Soto and Bell and Hader to that, and then probably Tatis by the time we get to October. So. Yeah, I, I don't like well, the Braves in that series. And then I think after that, they would then play. <laughs> no, they wouldn't play the Mets. They would play. Uh, who would they play after that? Not the number one. Who's the number Dodgers. two? Is it Milwaukee? Milwaukee's yeah, uh, the number two well, team in the. Uh, no, 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 the Mets. I'm pretty The Mets have the second best record in the National League. Oh, that's right. Okay, so they'd play the Mets. And then the Brewers would play the winner of the, the wild card series between the yep. other two wild cards. Yeah, that's so. Right. 
this whole system is kind of yeah it's yeah. wonky but I, I i like it it adds one more team it adds an opportunity for america's team we need to talk about luis castillo bookmark that well we're going to talk about luis castillo in a second as well. I, I was right. thinking about who like who moved duh the one that almost like caused me to fall out of my chair when i saw the news break on my phone is luis castillo um but I, the padres have a decent path if 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 the season were to end today and they were to have to play the playoff series, I don't want to. I don't really want to play the Padres right now. I'm just saying, because with the Nationals, right when Soto and Bell were on the Nationals, you kind of had a way out. You you didn't have to pitch to Soto, or you didn't really have to pitch to Bell either. Neither one of those guys really had protection. So mm-hmm. now, someone on the Padres with that lineup, assuming Tatis comes back before the end of the season. They're going to have someone's going to get pitches to hit. And the person yeah. who gets pitches to hit is going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. or Manny Machado or Juan Which Soto or we Josh can't Bell. Assume, by the way, he struggled a lot of last year. Like, at, like we can't just assume Tatis is going to come back and be well, right, but, all-star level. But you, as a pitcher, do you really do you tempt from one of the most exciting young players in baseball? Who's coming off an end? Do you do you tempt him with something? Do you just you don't? I mean, just... that's who, I mean, given the injury, that's who you'd probably have to pitch to. That's who you'd go after. Yeah, but that's that's not necessarily someone you. No, no. In in an ideal world, that's, that's not someone you want to pitch to either. So no, it's that's, it's that's tough. Totally it's tough. No, it's tough. And yeah. and look, the way the way it's gonna the way I think it'll play out is it'll come down to which pitching staff has the best game plan as far as going about taking down the other team and weaknesses because the Dodgers have weaknesses. What the weaknesses do you see? Players not named Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And Trey Turner. Trey Turner's uh, yes, yes and no, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there, there are some cases when Trey Turner seems kind of vulnerable and then there's others where he'll wrap, he'll rattle off like four hits like yeah. he'll, he'll go like four for five with like three doubles. I mean, I think the whole World Series experience last last year was kind of rough. I mean, sorry, um, NLCS experience. Yeah, and he, the funny thing is, I can't get my head around that because in the regular season, he is a Braves killer. He has like a career 420 average against the Braves. Really? It's ridiculous. Wow. His, his, his career stats against the Atlanta Braves yeah. are insane. And then the Braves held him quiet all se- I mean he was he has notoriously kind of been bad in the postseason pretty much his whole career he has never really been good in a postseason series I mean even in the World Series I think he hit maybe maybe around 200 uh, I, I looked at this yeah. recently because I wanted I wanted to make a case on Not something much. with someone I can't remember what it was but uh, I do want to I do want to move on past this yeah because we, we we do have other stuff to talk about but to put a, a bow on the the Juan Soto talk NL West, I, I talked about this last year at the start of the year saying the Padres and the Dodgers both had the potential to win, 100, to win 100 games each. That may not be there this year, and I was wrong about it last year because the Padres obviously had the epic collapse, but I don't remember a single series where two teams that are going to play each other that much have that much talent and have done that much, either one team or the other yeah. or both, at the trade deadline to make themselves better, to make that rivalry towards the end of the year that much more exciting well every ready for this weekend exactly i was gonna say friday saturday sunday padres dodgers at dodger stadium 
I mean, if I wasn't, if I didn't have plans all weekend, I'd be, I'd probably be tempted to go. But those, uh, yep. those games are going to be feisty. I can already tell. Oh, yes. I can already, especially with Soto. If Soto and does a little Soto shuffle right at Kershaw. Look, that oh. that that postseason series the two years ago in the bubble was a great series, despite it being kind of lopsided and oh, wins dude, and losses. I remember, but, I remember watching Game Three of that series. Like this oh. is the best playoff game I've watched in a long time. That wow. was that, that was an amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, that was before you and I went to game three of the NLCS last oh, year, yeah. <laughs> which from an Atlanta perspective sucked a lot, Great. but from a Braves perspective or from a, uh, from an objective play. baseball perspective was incredible. Um, before yep. I forget, and then uh, last thing I promise before I forget last thing on Trey Turner in any postseason series, the best that he's done is 294 against the Cardinals. Wow in 2019 the nlcs he was he had 294 but his ops was 627 with five total bases Ew. so that Uh, was not ideal yeah trey turner is not as high on base guy i don't think even though he's average yeah yeah. and then in the world series he hit 161 with a 429 ops six total bases in the world series in seven games uh Mm -hmm. and then last year in the postseason against the atlanta braves this this to me is kind of he, he played in six games with a 240 average a 536 ops six total bases oh my gosh i mean for for a guy we talk about as highly as we do trey turner that's not great I although mean, yeah no i i <laughs> and yeah i i get sure. it there's there's a lot of layers to it and yeah you know he's had to play so many different roles with the dodgers especially with bets health questionable last year and then this year bets is healthy again turner's hit a lot of third and he's hit first and it's a it's kind of a mess all around sure and i'm curious to see where he's going to end up at the end of the year because i i don't know if the dodgers are going to want to pay him that much money because a certain other free agent from the new york metropolitans is going to want to going to want to get it paid somewhere and um well i I also wouldn't be surprised if danzy b swanson they sign him either i wouldn't be shocked either I mean, the Braves, like, he wants to... It'll be probably Freddie Freeman 2.0. He wants to stay in Atlanta. The Braves probably want him to stay, and then he's probably going to ask for something that's a little too pricey yeah. for the Braves, especially because they just locked up Austin Riley. That said, that willingness to lock up Austin Riley on the Braves' perspective is is fantastic. It's, yes, it's I, It shows me I a agree. sign of intent that means that, hopefully, hopefully, they don't screw over Max Freed and uh, and Dansby with their their offers because those guys are gonna they need their contracts sorted out ASAP if the Braves have any intention Mm -hmm. of building a a a, shall we say a dynasty a non 90s to early 2000s dynasty where they win more than one world series hope to god that's the truth uh okay I'm sorry I I brought us way off course we need to talk about Luis Castillo shout out to my friend Reese I I saw this on my phone when I was out of town and I texted Reese immediately and I said, Oh my God, because of all the teams that we thought were going to get Castillo, the Mariners were in, in that conversation, but I never thought of them as the front runner. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Jerry DePoto. Just here you go. And, and, yeah. and Castillo as a Mariner makes his debut today at a quality start. And the Mariners took two out of three from the Yankees in New York. I personally love it. Let's go. More Luis Castillo, please. It, uh, you know what's funny? What's that? You know what's funny? Well, as a fan, I love it. As a practically speaking, I I have the opposite. I I hate it. 
And what's what's the practical reason that you hate it? Well, okay, look, um, I, I think it's great to get in the postseason. When you're a team like the Mariners, who has really struggled, like, I don't think, look, like, take, like, a Tampa, right? Do they do this kind of stuff? You, you don't give up big-time prospects for a team that can't win the World Series. You don't do that if you're in their position. I mean... With, with a guy with a short contract, you don't do that. Well, the way, I, the way I'm thinking about it with the Mariners is they have probably the best mix of young talent, established veterans, and then a piece that could potentially get them over the top. If you're a Mariners fan, you, you don't care about the future. You care about the, the present. And the present goal is yes, to play do. in a playoff game. That's, that's, that's the goal right now. The, the Mar- I mean, no one needs to remind them that they have the longest play- playoff drought. I, I, I hate the fact that it's the Seattle Mariners because I love the city of Seattle as an adopted Seattleite. Yeah, but, but you know, you, and- you, so, so what, what are you going to say in a year he, they'll have him one more year. They'll probably, they'll contend, but for the playoffs. But he walks after the twenty twenty three season, and you, not shut your window, but you just make it harder. Well, ask ask me again after the playoffs in twenty twenty two, because if the Mariners are playing in the playoffs in twenty twenty two, I don't think a whole lot of Seattleites are really going to care because. They're, they made the yeah, point. Like, but I, that's... I, I, this comes back to the questions in sports, and I know we're going too far. Cause, cause look, he he's like an absolutely incredible player. But like, are you just content? Now I understand baseball is a little bit different because baseball is very hard, very hard to make the the playoffs, and teams bottom out a lot. But the question is. You know, are you just happy with making the playoffs or do you want to contend? And you might think I'm crazy because, wow, you know, Luis Castillo is one of the best pitchers of the game. But, you know, I, 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 when you have good young teams, I'm not necessarily sure that you break the infrastructure that could keep you like this. Like, you know... Would you rather be good for slightly longer? So I, I don't know. I mean, look, it's going to be very exciting, but well, in a couple of years we might look back on this and what happens. Okay, like, so what? Let's just say, let's just say, realistically, okay, let's say that, okay, they make the playoffs this year, they get bounced in three in the best of three, and they don't make the playoffs next year. Luis Castillo leaves in free agency. Is that worth it? I think it no. is. Yeah. I think if you ask any Seattle, if you ask any Mariners fan, they don't care about 2023 because 2022 is not over yet. The 2022 season is still going on and there is I still, sh- I think you should though, but, but I, no, but, and, the- and that's, that's, that's why GM, that's why GMs get paid so much money. That's why baseball front office executives are, that's why it's such a stressful job because you have to, that's their job balancing out that, yeah that opportunity where we can win today and not win tomorrow, or we could bank on winning tomorrow by not winning today. So it's, it's, it's a juggling act and they clearly believe they have the team. And I believe it too. I like the way the Mariners are constructed right now. I mean, could there be better players at pretty much every position? Probably, but you have 
one of the bright young stars of the game. You have guys who've been there and done that before. You have guys who have won Cy Youngs. I mean, Robbie Ray has the highest K per nine rate of anyone in baseball history right now. He yeah, is no, it's of of, yeah. of anyone, not just active players, just anyone. K, highest K per nine. Uh, and then you go out and get a guy who's one of the nastiest pitchers in the game right now, in Luis Castillo, sure. who yeah. gives you a solid one two and takes the pressure off of a Logan, uh, a Logan Gilbert. Just realize, just realize that they gave up, three, I think the stat was, three of their top five prospects. I mean, but here's, to, the, here's to, the thing, to though. To have four a team that can't contend. But, he, but here's the thing, though. They, they are content. They're in contention for a playoff spot right now. And who knows yeah. how those prospects are going to pan out. Prospects yeah. are prospects. They're totally. not established big leaguers. That's that's the that's the thing that I think as as sports fans, mm-hmm. as baseball fans, we tend to overplay sometimes because when you think about a guy who could be good in 2 years, how about the guys who are good right now? How about the guys who are playing right yeah. now? The guys who and are baseball, very uncertain. Baseball. The guys who are catching, I mean, in life it's uncertain. You don't you could have I mean, let me take a Liverpool example for you. What's Ben Woodbird been doing? Okay, I mean, yeah. he's, he's the youngest goal scorer in Liverpool's history, and he hasn't done anything for them. Yeah. since. I mean, I don't even think he's... I think he left the club after last season. I think he went somewhere else. Just because yeah. he wasn't getting minutes. So, again, we don't know, but... Again, this is... If you ask Seattleites, if you ask Mariners fans about what they care about, they don't care about next year because this year's not yeah. over. So, I'll be it to them, and they deserve it. Like it's it. That's what makes baseball exciting. It'll be so good for the the franchise just to get some excitement going again. Yeah. If there's any city that deserves it right now, it's Seattle. I'd say Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, just holistically as a city, if there's any city okay. that deserves it. Oh, okay. Seattle. Sure. Seattle deserves it. I I personally think. I mean, maybe oh. I'm biased because I have so many friends who are Seattleites, and you know, one of my closest friends is is from Seattle. So, you know, it's a great Northwest. What are you gonna do? Um, well, no one's King Felix, so. Yeah, and well, it's one of a kind, truly. It's, God, he's yeah. so good. We should probably wrap up the baseball segment, Willie. Yeah. I know there's because we we do want to talk about Premier League, and I know it's getting late. So, yeah. really quickly mm-hmm. though. Does this trade deadline? And we'll we'll talk. We'll we'll rattle off some other some other big names that got traded. Okay. Uh, we talked about Castillo a good bit. Noah Syndergaard and Brandon Marsh going to the Phillies. Whit Merrifield that was a surprise because he's apparently unvaccinated. They got David Robertson too. David Robertson Robert going to the Phillies. That, uh, right, he closed out the Braves today. That sucked. Whit Merrifield going to the Blue Jays. That was a surprise because he's apparently unvaccinated. Okay. And to go to Canada, you have to be vaccinated. Christian Vasquez to the Astros from the Red Sox, who's that's really awkward because the Red Sox are in Houston playing the Astros right now, or I guess they were, they finished yeah. today. And then this was a weird one to me, and this is one you, you and I talked about briefly before we started recording. Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for oh. Harrison Bader and I think a player to be named later or someone. someone also, goes I think right it's now. worth mentioning Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, although apparently I saw he's like one for twenty so far, or two for twenty in his so far in his Yankee career. Small sample stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not great so far. But do any of those deals really, really, really think that it's gonna they're gonna change your general perception of of wh- who's gonna be on the dance floor in October? Um, not to win the whole thing, but um, I do find. 
the 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 Whit Merrifield one really big. I think this Blue Jays team is really good, and I I, I think of those teams you mentioned. I mean, look, I think the Cardinals can can have a really good season. Um, the division could be in play, but um, and you know, look, I don't think the Phillies have really a shot to to win it. So I, I would say the Blue Jays. I think talk about also talk about just professional hitters. That's what Merrifield is. Yeah. He knows how to hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not having a great season, but boy just knows how to hit. Yeah, he, they don't no, call it's... him three hit wit for nothing or whatever. They yeah. two hit wit three whatever. Dude gets hits. Dude gets yep. on base. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't think any of them, like you're saying, I don't think any of these change my perception of who's going to win the whole thing, but they make it a whole lot more interesting, particularly in the NL West with the Dodgers and the Padres. And honestly, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. so Willie, to wrap up this part of the episode, the baseball preview, the baseball post-trade deadline, yeah. pre-playoff yeah. preview, yeah. Ra- whatever you want to call it, does any of this affect your World Series pick and who was that World Series pick back in April? You know, I think didn't I I I picked the Brewers to make the World Series, I think. I couldn't remember. I can't remember who I picked. I think I think I I listened to this earlier today just to get familiarized. I think you had the Rays and oh. the Padres in the World Series. Oh, the, I have the Padres. Okay, Wait. there you go. Okay, now I can't remember. I think it was the Rays in the end. No, I think it was the Rays over the Padres in the World Series. Oh, I, I think, you know what? You're right. I, I did have the Padres, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rays over the Padres in the World Series. I mean, I don't know about Tampa. But, um, you know, um, honestly... If you ask me who I think is going to win the World Series at this moment, um, it's a tough one. The Padres certainly strengthen their chances. I, I, I kind of like the Yankees, but you know, if I had to just go today, I, I'd choose the, I'd go by the Yankees. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they, it to me they did not get a whole lot better, if at all. No, it's true. I mean, they downgraded in rotation depth, but they upgraded in defense, which can win you, which wins you games in October. But is yeah. that what they needed? Not necessarily. They needed an arm. That's, yeah, yeah yikes. Um, my pick stays the same. The pick and the, the timing is exactly the same. I have the Dodgers in six over the Blue Jays. And oh, that, that, that's that Dodgers. stays okay. the same. Yeah, I, I wow. had, this does not change my my initial pick, although wow. although it's going to make the West and particularly the, the NL and the playoffs a lot more fun with Juan Soto being added back into the mix because he wasn't no yeah. one was factoring Juan Soto into the playoffs worst, worst team in to start the, the year you know, National League. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and and now he plays for probably the most exciting team in the in the National League just on sure, young sure. talent alone. So yeah. we've got a lot to look forward to. Second yes, half of the season is fully underway. Trade deadline has yeah. come and gone. We've paid our respects to Vince Scully, folks. Yeah. This has I, been the oh sorry, go ahead. All right, one more thing. We, yeah, in the interest of time, we won't get into it. 
we can we should do another episode for 45 minutes just on this but i want to say one thing which is that the excitement of the trade deadline because we haven't had a lot of baseball uh podcasts we'll have to says the trade deadline has papered over the biggest story in baseball which is the health of mike trout and i just want to say that first of all i really wish he plays in the playoffs one of these days second of all um this story has a chance to be very tragic in so many ways because i think it just underscores the fact that we have one of the greatest players in the game who just has no chance to showcase himself in a terrible, mis- miserable franchise. So, go. That that story is the, to me the biggest story of the whole season right now. Just yeah. want to say that. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't think it's the story, but it's it's a very, 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 very potentially scary one for baseball fans because <laughs> not only have we not seen Mike Trout in the playoffs more than one time in his career, one game, one game. It, no, I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a series with when he was with the it Angels. Was the wild card game. No, they never played a wild card game. I don't think. Really? I think. Uh, we're gonna go to our we're gonna, we're gonna go to the booth for that one. But while we have that, while not training thought, I mean, th- I mean. Mike Trout has been an all-star every year except for one in his whole career. And that was the one year, effectively, they didn't have the all-star game. I mean, he played in 40 games in 2011. He wasn't an all-star, but, you know, he yeah. was, wasn't really a rookie at that point. But he's been an all-star every single year. He's been a big yeah. leaguer. And the, the numbers speak for themselves. And he's been in... He's played in one postseason series. Is the 2014 okay. ALDS against the Royals where they lost oh. in three games, and he so they, was he okay. yeah he was one for one for fifteen, Ew. one for twelve rather good. in that whole series. So Ew. okay, that's not good. Yeah. Okay. Need to get him a bigger sample size. So sure. if it's not the Angels, it's got to be someone else. Yeah, it's so sad. But with that said, we got an exciting two months of baseball ahead of us as we get to the end of the 2022 season. I can't believe we're already like towards the end of the season. I feel like we just recorded our preview last night, but that was also four months ago, if you can believe it. So a <laughs> bit of a four month hiatus, but you know, better late than never folks. If you're listening to this part, be sure to switch over to our premier league preview. If you are a big soccer fan, like we are, we've got a whole season to talk about. And by the time you're listening to this, we got one more sleep until the season. And if you are coming from the premier league preview, be sure to remind at the beginning of this episode, because Oh boy, we got a lot of baseball. So yeah, this is an exciting end to the 2022 season. I can't wait to see how things pan out, and we will see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.